Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study of the book of Exodus. Now, up to this point, we've been following the character of Moses, and we just got through in chapters three and four with Moses encountering God at the burning bush. That's kind of what we what we refer to that part as. And there at the burning bush, God is sending Moses back to the land of Egypt in order to deliver uh, the Israelites from Egypt. So uh, Moses, at the end of chapter four, he goes back and he starts talking to the Israelites and they seem to believe in him and, and everything is, is going as God has planned. But now in chapters five and six, what we're going to find out is now it comes the time for Moses to go back, not just to the Israelites, but now to Pharaoh himself. And let's see how Pharaoh responds. Let's take a look at that together. Exodus chapter five, verses one through five. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has said. Release my people so that they may hold a pilgrim feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him by releasing Israel? I do not know the Lord, and I will not release Israel. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go a three days journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God so that he does not strike us with plague or the sword. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you cause the people to refrain from their work? Return to your labor. Pharaoh was thinking, the people of the land are, are now many, and you are giving them rest from their labor. So here in these first five verses of this chapter, uh, we start to see that, that Moses and Aaron, they are following through with what God has asked them to do. God has asked them, to come before Pharaoh and to present this information, and they do. And whenever they are presenting this information, they ask for the release of, of the Israelites, just like they've been asked of God to, to do. But then Pharaoh's response, look at Pharaoh's response, because this is going to be an important key feature of the book. In verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him by releasing Israel? But then he makes a statement, you know, he's not asking who is the Lord, okay? Now, Moses asked a similar question to that. He's like, okay, so what if they ask for what your name is? You know, if you remember that uh, at the burning bush, what should I tell them? But Pharaoh's not asking in order to actually get information. He doesn't care. Because if you look at the, the rest of verse two, Pharaoh says, I do not know the Lord and I will not release Israel. He doesn't know the Lord because he doesn't care to know the Lord. He has completely blinded himself to any type of realization of who the Lord is and what the Lord is doing. He doesn't want to know. And in his mind, he thinks that he doesn't have to know. Well, by the end of this book, actually by the end of, you know, say 10 chapters later, Pharaoh is going to know exactly who the Lord is and what the Lord does and you know, what the Lord is capable of doing. He has already hinted it time and time again that he's going to raise up his mighty arm and he's going to show Pharaoh um, who he is. Well, he does that. Uh, so this king of Egypt, this Pharaoh, how he responds here in these verses is he's not going to do it. He's not going to give in. He's not even going to give in to a, a three-day journey, much less setting them free. He's not even going to free them up for just three days. In fact, he kind of has this response of get back to work. You know, why are you trying to make up these excuses? Later, he's actually going to call them lazy. So let, let's take a look at some of those verses and let's see even just how far Pharaoh is coming. Exodus chapter 5, this time verses 6 through 9. That same day, Pharaoh commanded the slave masters and foremen who were over the people, 
You must no longer give straw to the people for making bricks as before. Let them go and collect straw for themselves. But you must require of them the same quota of bricks that they were making before. Do not reduce it, for they are slackers. This is why they are crying, Let us go sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men, so that they will keep at it and pay no attention to lying words. Okay, if you want to know kind of what's at the heart of this whole chapter, I'd say these verses right here. These verses are really at the heart of the whole chapter of what's going on. And that is, Pharaoh understands what God is requesting, and he doesn't care. In fact, all that he's trying to do is he's trying to, to make the people get upset with Moses. He's trying to put an end to everything that Moses and Aaron, that they are trying to say. Um, you know, in this case, he's thinking, well, maybe they've got too much idle time, you know, and they're, they're just, uh, that's why they're coming up with these other things that are going to cause problems to his plan. You know, he's so focused about himself and his own kingdom, his own people. He's not taking into consideration who the Hebrews really were. And this Pharaoh, uh, what he does is he he makes it harder for them. How is he making it harder? Well, when you look at it, he's still requiring the same amount of bricks to be made, but he's not giving them supplies anymore. If you start to get into a habit, which is already difficult work to begin with, and we, we know that it was difficult work just to make the bricks by themselves when you had the materials, but now you don't give them the materials and you expect them to make the same amount, how are they going to be able to do that? Well, they can't. That's why he's making it harder. And in verse 9, look at this again. Pharaoh says, make the work harder for the men so that they will keep at it and pay no attention to lying words. He is doing everything that he can to kind of put some type of seed of doubt into who Moses was and to what Moses was doing. You know, that's why he says to lying words. I mean, he is really trying to make sure that they, they don't listen to Moses. And he's also trying to associate some type of negative action with Moses, which you're going to find out some of this at least does succeed. Um, but ultimately, God is still in control. And we will continue to see that as we keep looking. So let's keep looking. Let's look now at verses 10 through 16. So the slave masters of the people and their foremen went to the Israelites and said, Thus says Pharaoh, I'm not giving you straw. You go get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, because there will be no reduction at all in your workload. So the people spread out through all the land of Egypt to collect stubble for straw. The slave masters were pressuring them, saying, Complete your work for each day, just like when there was straw. The Israelite foremen, whom Pharaoh's slave masters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why did you not complete your requirement for brickmaking, as in the past, both yesterday and today? The Israelite foreman went and cried out to Pharaoh, Why are you treating your servants this way? No straw is given to your servants, but we are told, Make bricks. Your servants are even being beaten, but the fault is with your people. Okay, see, in these verses, you start to see how this, this plan that Pharaoh has is being carried out and what's happening. Okay, so really not a whole lot of new information in verses 10 through 14. All you see is just kind of them carrying out what Pharaoh has already you know, planned. But then you start to notice something I want to draw your attention to in verse 15. When you look at verse 15, you find out that these Israelite foremen, they went and they cried out to Pharaoh. Now, see, they're actually going to the wrong person because they, they keep coming to Pharaoh and they think that Pharaoh is going to be able to solve their problems. Aren't we guilty of sometimes doing the same thing? You know, sometimes we, instead of going to God and asking God to help us and asking God to fix the, the problem, 
what we do is, you know, we, we go to men, maybe powerful men like what Pharaoh was. I mean, there's without a doubt um, something about Pharaoh. I mean, he was a very powerful man, but he was just a man. And so they come in verse 15 that they went and they cried out to Pharaoh. See, they really should have cried out to God and asked God for deliverance. Uh, God has already promised deliverance. He is going to deliver them. But right here, they're still coming to Pharaoh. They're still trying to kind of maybe, uh, you might even say this is a little bit of a political move. You know, they're trying to go to this this leader here, this Pharaoh, this man that they can see. And they're they're trying to, to get him to recognize this isn't fair. It's not working. Do something about it. But Pharaoh, even though it's not stated in the text, I, I think it's safe to say that, that Pharaoh's heart is already becoming hard the whole situation. He's not going to listen. His ears, they're cut off, you know. Um, right now, you know, he, he's definitely got his ears in the off position because uh, all the way back in verse 2, if you remember, uh, Pharaoh responded, you know, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And I don't know the Lord and I'll not release Israel. He doesn't care about the situation. He just wants them to get back to work and to just obey whatever he says to do. And then we start to see that, that his uh, his plan does start to kind of uh, drive a wedge between the Israelites and Moses himself. Let's look at that together. This time, verses 17, and let's go down to the end of the chapter in verse 23. But Pharaoh replied, you are slackers, slackers. That is why you were saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. So now get back to work. You will not be given straw but you must still produce your quota of bricks. The Israelite foremen saw that they were in trouble when they were told you must not reduce the daily quota of your bricks. When they went out from Pharaoh, they encountered Moses and Aaron standing there to meet them. And they said to them, may the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the opinion of Pharaoh and his servants so that you have given them an excuse to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? Why did you ever send me? From the time I went to speak to Pharaoh in your name, he has caused trouble for this people, and you have certainly not rescued them. So we start to see that, that Pharaoh's plan, it is kind of working, at least you know from a human perspective. It is causing problems uh, to the the Hebrew people, and it's also causing problems, uh, definitely like in his head. It's causing problems with Moses. When you start to look here, Pharaoh accuses them in verse 17 of being slackers. Then we find out that, you know, he's still just telling them to get back to work. He's just trying to really keep them busy. Well, they get upset with that. In verses 20 and 21, you find out that they're even, you know, going to Moses, and they are talking with him, and they're, they're telling Moses and Aaron that, you know, look, May the Lord judge you for this because he's causing problems. You know, the maybe they might say that the Lord is causing problems, but really even more importantly, what they're, what they're getting at is that Moses and Aaron are the ones that are causing problems. I don't know that they've really uh, gotten to where they're accusing God of being the, their trouble. But Moses and Aaron, they're just following what God has already said. God wanted them to do these things. They are doing these things, but it seems like it's not working. That's why the last couple of chapters sorry, the last couple of verses in this chapter, we find out that Moses starts asking questions that sometimes, you know, we might have uh, too. You know, he's like, why did you ever send me? You know, he already tried to get out of that. And, you know, if you remember, one of the things that he said was, Lord, just send someone else, please. 
But the Lord said to him, you know, you know, you're going to be the guy that I'm sending. And he did send him. And then now Moses is still asking, God, why did you send me? Because it doesn't seem to be working. And in verse 23, uh, he's actually points out to the Lord that since the time that he came before Pharaoh, all that's happened has just been negative things. And he also says, God, the to God, he says, you have certainly not rescued them. Now, you know, sometimes we kind of read these things and, and we see some of these accusations that the, the Hebrew uh, people gave to God. And sometimes we as Christians are a little uncomfortable with some of that. But, you know, there was a little bit of struggle at times between those who were following God and God because they sometimes viewed God as, as part of uh, the problem for, you know, why they were going through some of the hardships, which, you know, if you look at it, they were following what God said, and that made their work harder. That wasn't what they were wanting. That wasn't what, you know, anybody really wants. You know, we don't want to become a follower of God and then our lives to get more difficult. That's not what we want. But sometimes, in fact, what Jesus tells us is that does happen. You know, there will be hardship whenever we are following Jesus and following what the Lord would have us to do. Moses is experiencing that here. He's asking these questions. God, why did you send me? You know, it doesn't look like your plan is working. But what Moses has to keep in mind, and ultimately what he does keep in mind, and what we have to keep in mind is there is a plan. We've got to stick with it. God knows it better than we do. Let's just keep following God, and then we will see this plan unfold before our eyes. Moses does. Let's keep looking into the next chapter as well. Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For compelled by my strong hand, he will release them. And by my strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as resident foreigners. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from your enslavement to the, Egypt, to the Egyptians. I will rescue you from your hard labor they impose, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you to myself for a people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from your enslavement to the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. When you look at these first eight verses of this chapter, you find out that, that yes, Moses has his questions. God, why are you doing this? Why did you send me? You know, what's going on? God gives him this assurance that God has a plan. God has all of this under control, and sometimes we need to remind one another of that too, that God is in control. He does have a plan, even if it doesn't seem to make sense from our plan uh, and you know, from our ideas of what God should be doing in our lives. God has an idea. He knows, and he knows much better than you or I know. Another thing that we see here is, in verse 1, that Pharaoh is going to be compelled by this strong hand of God. And we see this, this strong hand being uh, mentioned a couple different times. That has to do with the power of God. God is going to produce 
very, you know, mighty works uh, in, in front of Pharaoh. He's going to show that he has this power and Pharaoh himself doesn't. Pharaoh is just a human being. And then God says, beginning in verse two, he starts talking about his name. I told you that the name of God was going to be important. And there's a lot about the name of God. Um, and, you know, I would really like to get into all of this, but I think that, that really ultimately uh, a very big study right here um, it is not as much what we need. What we need to understand about this name of God is that God is revealing himself in a special way at this time. There's going to be a special connection between this name of God, and we're going to see the name of God. In fact, you, you see it many times being mentioned throughout the, uh, the, the Old Testament uh, about the name of the Lord uh, or the name of God. But now this name of God is going to be connected with redeeming people. Because really the idea about redeeming people, it shows up for the first time here in the book of Exodus. And we see that in verse uh, 6, God is talking about rescuing uh, these people, about redeeming these people with this outstretched arm and with these great judgments. Now, you know, we know those as the 10 plagues and, and even the other things that, that God does in order to bring out the Hebrew nation uh, out of the land of Egypt. And it's amazing what we see. It's not by accident that we, we share these stories uh, with children because it, it's so important to, to build our faith in our God, to know that he is capable of these great things. Our God is bigger, mightier, more awesome, everything than any human being that has ever lived. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, just like what God is going to do in the next few chapters. He is going to reveal himself. Let's keep reading because there's just a little bit more in this chapter that, that we can find out about God and what he has planned. Verses 9 through 13. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and hard labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he must release the Israelites from this land. But Moses replied to the Lord, if the Israelites did not listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me? since I speak with difficulty. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge for the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. So we see here that one of the things that Moses is getting at is that uh, we see this discouragement that comes uh, among the Hebrew people. They're discouraged because of this hard labor. Like I said before, I know I've kind of pointed this out a few times, but Pharaoh's plan is at least somewhat working. Now, ultimately, Pharaoh's plan is nothing compared to what God is going to do. However, there is this bit of human discouragement that, that follows this hard labor, and they're seeing it. It's creating this tension between Moses and the Israelites. And we see that Moses is recognizing it. The Israelites are kind of recognizing this too. Everyone's noticing this. But that doesn't change the task at hand. The task at hand is God has told Moses and Aaron that they are the ones who are going to, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. So they still have that task. And um, I don't know exactly why it is right here, but, but the following verses, it gets into telling us a little bit of the background of exactly who Moses and Aaron actually are. Now, I'm not gonna read these verses here uh, on the screen. You can, you can uh, maybe read them. I know they're kind of small print, so if you can't read them, you might look them up. It's Exodus 6. Uh, verses 14 through 25, basically you kind of get this list of genealogies. And I'm not going to go into all of these names, mainly because, honestly, I don't really know what these names add to it, except for the fact that we do see this is where Moses show up. This is also where Aaron shows up. 
and it just kind of gets into a little bit of this genealogy. It is odd that we get here in chapter six. I mean, we're already like several chapters into this book. Now we find out exactly who Moses is and exactly who Aaron um, is as well. Now, one thing that you will notice in verse 20, um, actually before, don't look at verse 20 just yet. Just hold off, wait. I wanna ask you a question first. I want you to think about this. Moses' parents, you know that he has them. You know that they've already showed up in the story. What are their names though? Don't look at verse 20, not yet. Okay, now you can look at verse 20. When you look at verse 20, you see their names. Their names are Amram and then Jochebed. I know neither one of those are very common names uh, today, but both of those names are like, they're so important. They're listed in Hebrews 11 as some of the examples of faith, but they're just listed as Moses' parents. They're not listed as uh, their names, but they did have names. And this is really the first time that we've come across those names, because I wanna remind you, I wanna flip back just a little bit here, uh, because we did see them as part of the story, but this is how they were introduced in Exodus chapter two. I don't know, maybe uh, I just kind of think this is a, a little interesting to me. Um, you might not find this as interesting, but here's how they're introduced here. In Exodus two, it just reads, a man from the household of Levi married a woman who was a descendant of Levi. Okay, and then it starts talking about how the woman gives birth to a son, that son is Moses. But when you come here, it's just like, okay, so a man from the tribe of Levi, okay, he married a woman who was also a descendant of Levi. Okay, that, that's it. It's just a man marries a woman, and then they give birth to Moses. Um, it, it just seems like a weird story in the sense of there's just not much details. We don't get their names there. It would make sense. Like if we were writing this, it would make sense. We would include their names right there, you know? That's not what they did in, in the scriptures because really these characters are important and they have great faith, but we can learn from their faith without ever even uh, necessarily knowing their names. Now we do learn their names, but some characters in the Bible, we don't know their names. In fact, it's kind of interesting sometimes whenever people start asking me uh, about questions or maybe they're, they're trying to remember some details about a story. And then they say, I don't remember the name of this person. And then if you look at the story, you find out they're not named. Some people aren't named, but then other people are. We get some lists like what we see right here. And a lot of people are named. They all lived, they all did something. But what they did, sometimes uh, some of these things are a little bit more relevant to the story than others. Uh, I know that I spent a long time on these names that I said I'm not even gonna read, but you can read through that list if you would like. But I did wanna just draw attention to a few of these things. We are introduced here to Aaron and to Moses. And in fact, they show up uh, also in the verses after this. Now I am gonna pick back up and we're gonna keep reading now. Verses 26 through 30, that's through the end of the chapter. So in verse 26, it was the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt by their regiments. They were the men who were speaking to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the same Moses and Aaron. When the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I am telling you. But Moses said before the Lord, since I speak with difficulty, why should Pharaoh listen to me? Okay, so in case you weren't following and you know you saw the, the names Aaron and Moses show up before, I guess they just decided, look, this is the same Aaron and Moses that we've been looking at in this story. This is their, their genealogy, this is their family tree, this is kind of where they came from and what they're doing. So you get this information, a little bit of a summary statement, but then we, 
we come across here in verse 30 that uh, this is a question that we're going to just leave hanging this week and we're going to pick back up next week. But Moses said before the Lord, since I speak with difficulty, why should Pharaoh listen to me? So Moses is just saying before the Lord, why should Pharaoh listen to me? Well, we're going to see in the next chapter exactly why Pharaoh should be listening to Moses. And we're going to see in the upcoming chapters that this outstretched, all-powerful, mighty arm of God. We're going to see all those things being revealed um, in the next few chapters. So definitely check back next week and we will continue our study of the book of Exodus.